Welcome to Stories of Hope. This is a podcast by the Dream Center where you will hear from people who have stories that once seemed hopeless. People whose stories of redemption and life transformation are so powerful they can only be possible by the power of Jesus. Hey everyone, my name is Tatum and I am here with Joey. Hey everybody. And we are part of the leadership team here at the Dream Center. So today we're going to be talking with our executive director, Chris Wilson, about the mission and vision of our organization and how the Dream Center came about. I am so excited to be here and just excited that we have the opportunity as the Dream Center to produce this podcast, Stories of Hope, and just share the good news and the stories of hope we see every day in a world during a time when people really need hope and there's a lot of discouraging things happening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Chris, why don't we start off by just talking about a little bit about yourself and uh, we'll eventually go into how the Dream Center was started. Wow. It's, as I look back, it's hard to believe it's been nine years since the Lord started just really working in my heart and um, steps were being taken that would eventually end up here. And so, it really has been a journey of, you know, as a Christian and living as a Christian, as an adult, not realizing like th- through that time that I was kind of going through the motions of life and going to church and my husband and I going to church every time the doors were open and serving inside the walls. But um, it wasn't until really reading scripture in the book of James, in the book of Matthew, and God just started speaking to my heart and at the same time in different ways to my husband's heart and we just began to realize that we did not have an understanding of what it meant to live out what we profess to believe um, we we were good at going to church but we didn't have a clue how to be the church and step by step he just started convicting us and we began to ask more questions and asking God to show us how we could live out what we profess to believe that's awesome. Well, Chris, what uh, made you start the Dream Center? So where did that idea, the the calling from the Lord, where did that come from for you? You know, it was it's so cool as I look back on this because God was just working in my heart in such a way that he was really, um, as I read scripture and as I saw the words of, you know, what is your faith without works? And we, we know that works does not determine your faith, but if you claim to have faith, then you will want to have works. And so I just began to understand and examine the Bible for myself. I mean, at that time, it it wasn't like alive and real to me. I didn't get excited about the Word of God and what it said, and I couldn't understand. It just seemed so distant. And, um, you know, these miracles and these things that people would talk about weren't real in my life. I didn't see them. And so My husband, Jim, and I, we had a group of friends that we went to church with, and we would have these discussions about, wow, how can we make an impact in our city? How can we make an impact in our community? How can we live out what we profess to believe? And we didn't know how to do that, but we decided that we would start meeting for coffee um, every Friday morning and have breakfast together. And there were seven of us at the time, and we just started having breakfast um, every Friday morning. The next thing you know, we've had breakfast together for two years every Friday morning and during that time we began to help people and at the time you know we didn't know how to effectively help people but we all we knew was hey if somebody's needing a job or somebody really if they were homeless we thought well they just need a job or they just need a home 
And so over the course of that two years of meeting, when we would help someone, we would get them a job or we would get them a place to stay. But shortly after that, they would either lose their job for being a terrible employee or they would get evicted um, because they couldn't follow the rules. And then we would be disappointed. And so there was a, a time of learning for us over that period of two years where we were helping people the best we could, but we were not effectively helping them in a way that was going to produce change or life transformation. And so I feel like that was our, our time of education and experience of making a lot of mistakes. But through that two years, we came to the conclusion that based on the resources we had learned about in the community and the lack of resources, there was no shelter, there was no cold weather shelter, we decided that we needed to start a nonprofit, and the things that we wanted to be sure that we could do is we wanted to share the love and hope of Jesus Christ unashamedly, and we wanted to help people with a hand up instead of a handout. You know, it's amazing how the Dream Center started and and, uh, how the Lord really just led you guys in that effort, but what, what are some defining moments that impacts how the Dream Center operates? There have been so many different moments over the past several years that have really defined, they've been um, defining moments in my life personally, and they've been defining moments in the direction of the Dream Center. One of those was when we first uh, were able, you know, we formed a 501c3. We didn't really know what we were doing. We looked for a building for a long, long time until we were able to finally purchase an old school in the community um, that we bought, but we did not understand at that time exactly what we were going to be doing and how we were going to be doing it. We didn't have money. We really didn't have a lot of knowledge, but we started just giving of our time and our money sacrificially, and I would say that was the first two things we did as a group and personally. We started giving of our time and our money sacrificially. I'd never done that before. We had tithed our whole adult life but we had never given sacrificially. And so one of the things that we started doing is we started volunteering in a local soup kitchen. By the time the Lord provided the building that we would buy, it ended up being the same building that this the Shine Soup Kitchen was operating in. And we were volunteering there. As a matter of fact, my husband Jim was chairman of the board of the soup kitchen. So one night, one of the ladies that we had been helping over the course of that two-year period in, I guess, an ineffective way, uh, was there that night. And she has, at 37 years old, she had five children. She had lived in generational poverty her entire life. And, you know, when you're, what I've come to learn is when you are in generational poverty or you've just kind of been stuck in poverty for a very long time, your mindset is that this is just my lot in life and I'm stuck. And you learn how to survive um, in that stuck position. So sometimes that means eating at a soup kitchen or getting help at Christmas or getting help with your bills. But that seems, you know, like an unappealing way to, to live. But when you've been raised that way, it's all you know. And you know at least you know how to get by and at least you know how to survive. So one night at the soup kitchen, we were very shorthanded. We only had three people cooking and serving, and we had over 100 people coming to eat. And this lady, I went up to her, and I said, you know what? We're shorthanded tonight, and we're going to need your help serving plates. 
Well, she had very low self-esteem, and she did not feel comfortable doing that. She said, I'm, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to deal with people. I don't want to have to, you know, see people. Please don't make me do that. But having helped her for the last two years, I felt like that's the least you can do is hand out a few plates. We basically forced her to help us that night hand out plates at the soup kitchen. And at the end of the night, I will never forget her coming up to me. And she said, Miss Chris, I was just wondering if I could serve plates again tomorrow night. And I was like, wow, possibly. She said, I really wish I could do this every night. And it's like a light bulb went off for us because we began to understand that never in her entire life had she experienced what it felt like to hand out the plate to somebody else. She had always been the recipient. She had always been the one being handed the plate. And every single person that God has created, he created with a purpose greater than a handout. But when you've been stuck in generational poverty your entire life, you don't know any different. And when you throw somebody like that into a job or into a home and you expect them to know how to successfully manage that, they will literally sabotage that opportunity just to go back to their comfort zone because at least they know how to get by in their comfort zone. Um, You've got to really empower and educate and equip people and encourage them. So that was probably the most defining moment um, during this entire journey. There have been so many more um, that I have experienced, but that one was what pushed us in the direction of helping people find their purpose and helping them understand that they were created uh, for a purpose, no matter where you come from. Um, And secondly, I would say that the second most important defining moment was when I realized that, you know, when you're born, you don't really get to decide what family you're born into. You know, it's predetermined what your family will be. And my husband and I, we have four kids, and, you know, you're either born into a family, and, and this isn't about being rich or poor. You're either born into a family that has love, safety, and security, food and shelter, or you're not. So it doesn't mean you're rich, but you can be born really poor into a family. But if you have love and safety and security, you can climb out of that. So like in the in the um, instance of my fam- my kids, you know, by the time... If you're born into a family with those things, by the time you're a senior in high school, it's as if you've made it to third base, and all you have to do is figure out how to run home. And you didn't do anything to deserve that. You were born into that situation, and they helped you get to third base. And then they're going to encourage you to run home. And what we began to see is the majority of the people coming in to see us for help did not have some of those basic things, sometimes did not have any of those basic things. And when you don't have the very basics early in life, you never get on first. And so we decided that we would create programs that would help people to get to third. Um, and then we would have the joy of encouraging them as they figure out how to run home. And that's what we've done. And that has absolutely uh, changed me. And it's changed everything we do here at the Dream Center. Absolutely. So, Chris, you talk about how you have been changed by this experience, by being the director, by learning all of these different things over the last 
almost decade worth of learning and growing. So tell us a little bit more about the specific things in your life that you have seen life change happen. Maybe that's in your family, with your husband, with your children, but just talk a little bit more about what life change looks like for you now. You know, when I look back 10 years ago as, you know, a professing Christianity, I was never around anybody that was different from me. So I was never in a conversation with a person that was homeless. I was never, you know, in a conversation with a person that was hungry. Um, I would do, you know, give money to things at Christmas or missions or whatever, but I was never in the presence or in community with people who were different from me. I was in community with people who were just like me inside the walls of my church. And I think of this sometimes, I compare this to a game, although it's not a game, I guess it can be compared. But if you had looked at my life, I mean, I was the director of Vacation Bible School. I was uh, directing a prayer ministry. We were teaching Sunday school. We were doing all these things. And if you had said, hey, this is a, a, a football game, I would have described myself as the quarterback. I mean, I was in the game. I was doing it. I was exhausted, um, but I was doing it. And as I, as I look back now, almost 10 years later, I have had the pleasure of now becoming friends and um, in community with people who came to the Dream Center homeless, helpless, hopeless. God has completely transformed them, and now they are, uh, you know, our employees. They're our friends, and I am watching God use them more powerfully than he uses anybody I see in my life. And it is such an honor to have these people in my life now. I'm striving to be like them. And so I think about what I would have missed. To me, some of the greatest people I know today are the people who have come to the Dream Center and who God has just completely changed. And they have such a story to tell of his redeeming love and how he has come into their life and just totally changed their story. It has changed me because we're all the same. I spent so many years inside a bubble. And when I look back on that, it really it really makes me sad because in my thought that thinking I was the quarterback, I sat in the bleachers for 20 years. Man, I just want to encourage people to, you know, when, when Jesus says, follow me, it is, it is a verb and it is a person. I didn't understand that entirely um, 10 years ago, but it means to follow the path and follow the person. You have to get to know the person and you have to be willing to go to places that you maybe don't feel comfortable going to, doing things that you don't feel comfortable doing, and just listening to what he wants you to do and, and doing it. I look back at my life and how I miss so much of that. I have a passion for helping other people get in the game. I mean, get uh, busy about doing God's work and seeing the fruit of what he will do in people's life. It is the most incredibly, it's, it's, it's just the most joyful thing to see him. We see miracles at the Dream Center. We see things that people may not even believe they're so crazy um, because he is so good and he is so faithful. I am just, nobody has been changed more by the Dream Center and by the Lord through this experience than I have. And it's just been such an honor to, for me to be able to bring other people along in that journey 
so that they can do the same. Man, Chris, what a challenge, you know, saying to get in the game and uh, get off the bleachers. And uh, that, that has struck something within me. But I, I want to ask you, what would you say to people who are maybe sitting on the bleachers? They want to get out and help people, but they don't know where to start. What would you say to them? I would really say there's two things you need to do. The first thing is you need to start giving of your time and your money sacrificially. So I didn't have an understanding of that because, you know, for so many years I felt like as long as I was tithing, checking that off the the list, that um, I was good. I was fulfilling my obligation as a Christian. And it wasn't until we started in in giving sacrificially, financially, it means you're going to go without something because you gave. You know, maybe you don't go get that coffee every day this week, or maybe you uh, don't go out to eat that night. You are giving sacrificially because you're giving something up so that you can do something for somebody else. And so I would just say start giving sacrificially in some way. Ask God how to do that, where to do, where to do that. Secondly, I would say give of your time sacrificially. So time is the most precious thing we have. I see so many people that are just... They're so sacrificial with their time. It, it just helps us understand that everything's not about us. And it is so cool when you can give your time and it impacts somebody else's life in such a way that you feel like, you know, you have fulfilled a purpose. You will find your purpose if you start giving of your time and your money. Your time and your money, where you, where you give that is where your heart is. And if you can take that first step, your heart will follow. And it's just the first step we took. The next thing I would say is be prepared for it to be uncomfortable because even today, talking on this podcast, talking in front of people, that is the one thing that I have told God 10 years ago, don't ask me to do that. Uh, That's the one thing I I don't want to do. I still don't want to do that. But I have learned that God has given us a story. He's given me a story. And is that not what we're called to do as disciples is to tell people what God has done And so be prepared to go to places that are uncomfortable, to do things that are uncomfortable, and then watch, wait and watch. He will blow your mind when you're obedient. Here's what I like to tell people, especially in relation to the Dream Center. Every day, just small steps of obedience one day turn into big moves of God. So he's not asking you to do something huge. He's not asking you to, you know, know, have all the answers. Just start moving forward. Start giving of your time and your money sacrificially. Wait on him to do big things. All you have to do is small daily acts of obedience. He'll take care of the big stuff. So good, Chris. I know here at the Dream Center as a staff, we really believe in our core value of great things never come easily. That's something that we repeat to ourselves almost on the daily just because life is hard. Ministry is hard. Helping people from... Uh, difficult backgrounds is challenging, but you've modeled that so well for us as our leader. And that's something that we get to hold fast to as um, not only just a, a value of ours as a dream center, but also just as a promise of God that, you know, he will make the way for us when we step into obedience. So lastly, Chris, we're just going to talk about um, what the vision for the future of the dream center is going to look like. So it's so, I look back on the years before, you know, when we were first starting the dream center And now I know why God does not tell us everything that the future holds. I mean, you know, if we had known then what we know know now, I'm sure that I would have been too scared to go forward. 
because you would think, I'm not qualified. I can't do this, you know. And so we didn't know everything that the future would hold. And since that time, I've learned that, man, just listen to God because he doesn't necessarily call the qualified, but he'll call you and he qualifies the called. And that's what he's done here and that's what he'll continue to do. And when we think about the future of the Dream Center, we do have a vision and we do like to have plans. But the most, the most important thing that I have to remind myself of is that God is directing our path. And man, if I knew what he had in five years ahead, I'd probably be too scared to go there. Um, so I, we try to look at you know where we are now and where we are um, this year and where we might be next year. But beyond that, we're waiting on God to give us the direction, to give us um, clarity. But I do know that the vision of the Dream Center is to have a team of people who are committed to follow him as an organization and and individually and do what he says. And we are currently in the process of opening another resale store. You know, because we don't get government funding, we rely on our resale stores for funding. We're going to open a store in Greenville. So we'll have one in Seneca, one in Pickens, one in Easley, one in Greenville. Soon after that, we're going to open an online resale store. Um, So that is our financial sustainability. So we do know that that's in our plan because if we're going to continue to do all the things God's calling us to do, it's going to take money. And the way we can produce money without government assistance is to open our resale stores and just encourage people to donate there and to shop there because you're literally helping us change lives by just going in our store. It, It is a huge part of us being able to do what we do. So I would just say that we're just going to keep following him and we're going to follow his path and his person and whatever he tells us to do, that's exactly what we're going to do. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure getting to hear more about the Dream Center. It's always just an encouragement as a staff member and on the leadership team, just being able to hear about the history of the organization that we love so dearly. So thank you so much for joining us. And everyone, we are so glad that you're able to join us on Stories of Hope. So we will see you next time. And remember, one person can't do everything, but every person can do something. Thanks for joining us today on Stories of Hope. For more information about the Dream Center, visit our website at www.dreamcenterpc.org. Additional resources related to today's episode can be found in our podcast show notes.